Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. And we are continuing today with our special theme around specialization and how you can find the people that you really want to help in your practice. So I guess the first thing we need to talk about today are the reasons to specialize. Then I'm gonna talk you through a few different ways specialization can look in your practice. Because I've been teaching about specializing for over three years now. And what I've come to realize is that like with everything in business and marketing, there is no one size fits all approach to specialization. And then finally, I've got something for you if you're not quite sure on your specialism yet, or if all of this makes your head feel a bit fuzzy. So stay tuned to to hear about that. Okay, so let's recap then. Why do I think it's important for you to specialize in your practice? Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm really passionate about specialization. And that is not just because it makes life easier, but it really does. It's also because it makes it easier to provide what our clients really need. So we're in a fairly unique industry in mental health in that we're in an industry where people are not only trusting us with their money, they're also making a huge emotional investment and taking a huge emotional risk when they come to work with us. My belief is that we need to respect that and pay attention to what is going to reassure people that we can really help them. And to do that, we need to build our authority in the best way that we can. And all that really means is proving to people that we care about them, that we invest lots of time in learning how to help people like them and that we're staying on top of the evidence base. And in order to do that, I just do not believe we can do that properly as generalists. Now, that might be controversial. I know that people disagree with me. And I think that it may be less true if you're working in the NHS, because there you have access to CPD and colleagues and, you know, a a wider range, perhaps, of supervision. But in private practice, let's be real, you're busy. There's only so many papers you can read. There's only so many projects you can be working on at once, only so many evidence bases you can keep on top of. And I, I think that our patients that come to see us in private practice deserve to feel special and they deserve to feel that the clinician that is talking to them cares deeply about the struggles that they're coming to them with. And I, I think the best way that we can offer that to our clients in reality, as well as in marketing, is by specialising and spending a lot of time thinking deeply about a particular struggle. I also do believe that it is easier for us. I think that's important to acknowledge. It's really overwhelming when you're faced with new problem after new problem after new problem in private practice. You know, I'm not standing on my high horse about this. This is what I did in the first year of my practice. I would take literally anybody. And it meant that I was acting like a trainee all the time. You know, I was reading papers right before I saw somebody. I was having sleepless nights thinking, oh, I don't really feel confident about this. I was paying out so much for different supervisors and different CPD 
options because I was trying to be on top of everything all of the time and I always felt like a failure. The imposter syndrome was massive and my marketing wasn't very effective. So I was really only able to get clients who were looking on directory sites or who were coming to me through insurance. And that meant that the fees that I could command were much lower than they are now. So I I think there's two really strong reasons to specialize. And that is, you know, firstly, because it's what our clients want and need. But it's also because it's really hard as a solo practitioner to to keep up a a generalist approach and not feel like a imposter or that you're not doing your job as well as you want to do it. So those are my reasons. I go into it in a lot more depth in the podcast on specialising that I recorded way back at the beginning. So I'll link to that in the show notes for you. And it's also something that we're going to be talking about in more depth on the training that I'm running on the 13th of September. So if this is new to you, if you haven't thought about your specialism before, or you have, but you need to revisit, then make sure you register for that training now. The link is in the show notes, and we're going to go into depth on the reasons that you need to specialize, that overwhelm, authority, that client need. But we're also going to dive into the practicalities of how you choose your specialism and how you make it work for you. So let's think then about what specialisms can look like for different business models. So firstly, if you're an individual or a solo practitioner, then it's pretty straightforward to specialise. Maybe you start, start out by going to networking events and meeting new people and talking about a particular area of interest. And just talking about it is, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a psychologist or I'm a therapist and my special interest is. I always recommend that's how you start when you're developing a specialism. Because when you do that, you quickly realise whether this is something that you're really passionate about and you can talk about with enthusiasm at length or whether it's something which actually makes you feel a little bit awkward in which case it might not be the right specialism for you so you might start out by just talking about your special interest then when that starts to feel good then you might change the copy on your website you might start to change the wording on your directory site profiles and then you might start to change the branding of your practice to reflect that specialism Notice I'm talking quite incrementally here, and that's how I recommend approaching specialisation. This isn't about saying, I shall never see another client outside of my specialism, because it doesn't work like that. You're still going to get general inquiries, and until you've been established in your specialism for quite some time, you'll probably want to accept some general clients while you gradually build up your bank of clients within your specialty, and that is absolutely fine. I think now I've been specialised for about five or six years and now I only really receive referrals from within my specialism but that wasn't true at all for probably the first four or five years I was still getting lots and lots of general inquiries that I would have to turn away and actually even now I still get inquiries for children even though I really don't work (laughs) with children so I'm always referring those on. So you don't need to worry that all of your referral streams will dry up. You don't need to worry that current clients will think it's weird because to be honest, they don't usually notice. And if they do notice, 
it's normal in healthcare for clinicians to have special interests. And we often, we're used to seeing practitioners that have a special interest that might be slightly different to what we're seeing them for. In my experience, and in the experience of the hundreds of people I've spoken to about this, nobody seems to find it that weird. (laughs) So don't worry about that. So it, it can look that straightforward as an individual or solo practitioner. And I think often it feels hard to do, but the, the secret to it is just taking the first step, seeing how it feels, tuning in to what your body says about it, what your mind says about it, and, and continuing on through some of the discomfort that's likely to, to come up around it. So if you want any guidance around that and you're a solo or an individual practitioner, then please do make sure you register for the training on the 13th of September, because that's where we're going to go deep into exactly what this is going to look like in your practice. So the second thing to think about is if you run a group practice or if you aspire to run a group practice, and I'm always really encouraging you to think, even if you're at the beginning of your business, where do I want this to go? because it's so easy to to set up as an individual practitioner and stay that way just because that's the easiest way to get set up. If you want your service to be bigger than that, if you want to be a group practice, start thinking and planning it from the beginning because it will alter how you go about things. And this is one of the decisions that you will need to make, which might be slightly different if you are planning to be a group practice or you are a group practice versus if you plan to stay as a solo practitioner. So one option if you operate as a group practice is to specialize the whole service. And we've got a really nice podcast episode with Dr. Melanie Lee, who runs a brilliant example of a group practice that is highly specialized. And this is a lovely idea because what this allows you to do is create a service that may not exist in the NHS or may not be very accessible or may not be accessible or desirable to certain clients in in your area. So you can bring in other clinicians from other disciplines, other specialized psychologists or therapists, and really create the holistic service that you would love to see and bring it into existence. What's nice about this is you take the same approach to specialization that you would take as an individual. So you tailor your website copy, you tailor your branding, you make sure you get out there and you talk about the specialism of the service and the people that you serve specifically. So everything about it is pretty much the same as what you would do for the individual, but you're able to offer other clinicians something really special. And that is you can bring people under your umbrella and yes, you will charge a fee for that and you'll use the associate model usually, although you could look at employment as well, but most people would use the associate model for this. But for that fee, you can provide CPD, you can get people in to talk to your specialist group of clinicians about issues which are really exciting and interesting to them. You can do things like carry out research and achieve much more in the kind of do more than therapy space, things like workshops, things like online courses. All of this becomes easier and much more possible when you have a whole service specialized to one particular area. 
It's also easier to win contracts. So approaching somebody like a local authority, for example, or a corporate company and saying, hey, we offer these specialist services. These are all the clinicians we have available. Would you like to do a deal? That's much more likely to go well when you've got a specialized group practice. Obviously, with any group practice, there's a lot more involved in the setup. And we're going to be talking about that when we dive into business models later in this series. But it's a really powerful tool. What I would say is if you want to run a specialist service, you've got two marketing jobs to do. So you've got the marketing job, which you're going to be doing for the public, for the people that you want to bring in as clients. But you've also got a marketing job to do to get the right clinicians under your umbrella. You have to give them a really great reason to want to be part of your service rather than setting up on their own. I think often we forget about this when we're setting up associate practices. But this is really important if your ambition is to specialise your whole service. So be thinking about that from the beginning of your business if that is your plan. So finally you can specialize in a different way. If you have a group practice, but your vision is to maintain that practice as a general service. Now, this can be a good route to take if your ambition is to have a very big group practice. So there's a few examples up and down the country of associate practices which are massive, (laughs) really, really massive. And they win big contracts, lots of big contracts with lots of different types of organisations offering lots of different services. Now, what these practices do really well is they get to know the individual specialties of their clinicians and they use those individual specialties to run particular specialist campaigns under the umbrella of the more general practice. So for example, if you've got people under your umbrella that are specialists in neuroassessment, then you would market your neuro service separately from the brand as a whole. So you wouldn't be talking in the same breath about neuroassessment and birth trauma therapy. That wouldn't make any sense to people. People wouldn't really know what you were about. But what you could do is approach people who might be interested in neuroassessment, really singing the praises of your neuro colleagues and approaching that as a completely separate marketing campaign. And then you would do the same thing for your therapists in different areas. And, you know, we're talking here about not just campaigns to the general public, but if you're looking to run a a really big group practice like this, you're going to be looking at trying to win contracts. So you'd be going to local authorities and corporate organisations and saying, hey, we are such and such psychological services, and this is a particular service that we offer that we think might be of interest to your organisation. Can we talk about how we might be able to serve you with this? So you wouldn't go in and just be like, hey, we've got all this stuff, what do you need? You would work out what you think they need and you would lean into that. And yes, you offer more stuff and if they go to your website, they'll be able to see that or you can talk to them about that when you get on a call with them. But you're going to be leading with particular specialties so that it doesn't become confusing and you still have that clear marketing message with all marketing communications that you have. So I hope that can help you visualise a bit what a specialism might look like 
for different business models because there isn't just one way to do it but it is a principle which I think is really important in healthcare marketing and that is different I should say to marketing on the whole. If you are like me and a bit of a geek and you read lots of marketing literature then you will see that there is an advantage to being general. If you have a a product or a different kind of service then generalism is the the most likely way to grow a big business and and that's still kind of true for us if you want a really huge group practice then generalism is the way to do it so i really hope that that has given you some inspiration and got you thinking about specialism and whether you might need to take on a new specialism refine the one you've got or just started you thinking about the specializing process As ever, if you've got any questions about this episode, please feel free to get in touch with me. I'm at Rosie Gilderthorpe on Instagram, or you can always email me at rosie at drrosie.co.uk. Before you go, did you know that I have a course for professionals just like you who are starting out in independent practice? In fact, my Start and Grow course has already supported hundreds of psychologists and therapists to build impactful, financially rewarding and professionally fulfilling practices. When you sign up to the course, you get clear step-by-step support to build a practice that supports your values and rewards your hard work through our comprehensive online learning modules. You get peace of mind thanks to our complete suite of legal documents from Claire Veal at Aubergine Legal. You get 12 months of membership to our supportive student community, access to our private students podcast so you can learn in your own time and in your own way. Yes, I see you learning while you're doing the washing up (laughs) and you get access to regular group coaching sessions with me and the rest of our lovely students. If that sounds like exactly what you need to get out of private practice paralysis, then sign up today at psychologybusinessschool.com. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Business of Psychology podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps more mental health professionals just like you to find us. And it also means a lot to me personally when I read the reviews. Thank you in advance and we'll see you next week for another episode of Practical Strategy and Inspiration to move your independent practice forwards.